Welcome to Two and a Half Sportsmen, a sports comedy podcast hosted by Jordan Pomaville, Joel Anderson, and your sports outsider, Phil Ranta. Let's get it on. And now for another Sports Throughout History! Bum, 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 bum. Brought to you by... The History Channel. Soon we'll do the history of this episode of this podcast, but for now it's the present. Oh yeah, remind me. I have to. I have to send an email to the producer of the show of the history of podcasts. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. there you go. Uh, but before that, today we go over the 1972 U.S. Men's Olympic gold medal game. Gold medal game of what? Of the 1972 Olympics. Okay. Uh, played between at the height of the Cold War. Because people always say that. I don't. Think there really I was feel like there's the like Cold five War. heights of the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, like kind of the 50s, but really it just sort of came and went. I thought it was like the 60s hide under your desk stuff. Isn't that the height of the Cold That's War? That's like early But 60s, then people have so. also said the 80s are the height of the Cold War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly it, Republicans it, who want to make like, right, oh, right. Reagan spending more money than he had on weapons was the brilliant strategy <laughs> that no one could have come up with. Sure. True. True. Yeah. Either way, 72, a height of the Cold War. No, I'm, let's say the. It's yeah, the height. I'll say sure. the. I'm fine with the. All but falling you know, action after 72. At a time go. when like, it's, it's pretty clear America's going to lose Vietnam by 72. We're right. not out yet. Right. <laughs> but definitely not going to pull this one out. U.S. morale, not great. Right. right. U.S. morale, not great. Some, some guys are arrested for breaking into the Watergate Hotel. Yeah. Yep. Oops. But 72 Olympics rolls around nonetheless. Now, needless to say... Other than Mark Spitz, nobody has fond memories of the 1972 Olympics. Uh, oh, really? Because of, of the terrorism. Oh, oh, oh right. That's it's right. That right. Olympics. That Olympics. Munich. I saw that yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, the movie so while, Munich. So, Wall, the uh, 1972 uh, U.S. Uh, the 1972 Men's Olympic Basketball Final is one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the Olympics. Definitely number two in its Olympics. So right, yeah, because yeah. the terror, because of, of the horrible Munich. terrorism. The thing. movie was pretty good. Yeah, the mo- movie yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. Did the movie touch on the basketball game? I forget. It I don't didn't. Think so, doesn't no. even mention the basketball. They game. really focused a lot on the terrorism. Does bring up Mark Spitz though? You know, would who, love to see the cutting room floor on that one. Right, yeah. <laughs> full of basketball about- players. This is. Just the point where I should go ahead and point out that while Michael Phelps did go eight for eight on gold medals and events, Mark Spitz, when he went seven for seven, also seven gold records. I'm sorry, world records. And at the time, there was no 50-meter freestyle, an event that he would have won going away. So So he went seven for seven because he couldn't go eight for eight. Because he couldn't go eight for eight. And also, he was 100% in world records. Michael Phelps, one of them wasn't a world record. So what kind of eight for eight gold medal performance are we even talking about here? One where you don't set eight goal eight world records. I mean, both seem pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, none of this has anything to do with the subject of the segment that we're recording. Which is right the now. film Munich. <laughs> yes, yeah. the film Munich. Uh, so going into that the was 19- Spielberg, right? Yeah, that was <laughs> going into the nineteen seventy two games. Uh, the U.S. Olympic basketball team had never lost. Had. Won every gold medal, had won every game. They were 63-0 and going into the gold medal game against the Soviet well, Union. I'll be. And this wow. is before they're using pros. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, this is, this is well, we did invent the sport. We right. should have a at least a 50-year head start on the world. No. Right, right. And, and we did. 
Okay. We definitely, definitely did. Because these teams that went 63-0 and were made up of, you know, pretty good college players. <laughs> like, no one was going to get drafted, but like... People that you might have heard of if right. you followed college basketball at the time. Sure. Because, hey, winning a gold medal is going to be kind of cool. Yeah. Even if it's in international amateur basketball, <laughs> still kind of cool. Almost oh. as good as, like, winning states. Well, I was going to say, yeah, where else would you win a gold medal? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. where else? I feel like international I mean, amateur sports is the only place you win a gold medal yeah. nowadays. Right. right. But, I mean, I would say, obviously, like, most know, of them, if you ask them, purveyor. like... Or something. <laughs> Would you rather have won states? They'd be like, well, yeah, because <laughs> state basketball championship anywhere in America better than the Olympic gold medal at this point, I think, in terms of prestige in the basketball community. Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know how it is. It's the Olympics. They have to assume they're the most important, whether they are or not. Uh, but we did still send okay college players and win 63 straight games. So, yes. Uh, way ahead there. Uh, coming into the final game here, the United States heavily favored as usual. But guess what? The Soviet team, a group of professionals who had been playing together for almost, I think it was over 75 international matches. Some of them were on their fourth Olympics together. I thought you were going to wow. say 75 years. I was like, this is the oldest ever old. That's too much experience, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. like, I don't think this is the underdog story you make it out to be. They yeah. beat up on a bunch of 103-year-olds. No, no, no. No, no, no. They, 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 these men appeared to be in like their 30s. Okay. But, uh, okay. but, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of experience playing together, and they did manage to slow the pace of play, dragging them down into the trenches and having the American team, which is much more athletic, uh, play a game that they didn't want to play. And they were behind by 10 at the half. Wow. And then the Soviets played dirty. Go figure. <laughs> you know, and yeah. just like the Soviets. Right. They start by sending in Mikhail Korkia. Ever heard uh, of him? Never. Of course you haven't. He was terrible. He was the worst player on their team. He picked a fight with starting center Dwight Jones. Both got ejected. While the Soviets would deny it, that was obviously the plan for that's the start. That's very wise. I mean, that's a that's, that's a really that's some very savvy thinking. I've on seen there. interview footage, and they're like, "No," and it was like, "Yes, of course." Certainly not at the height of the Cold War. <laughs> Americans are like, "We taught you that move." <laughs> uh, within a minute later, Jim Brewer, taken out during a jump ball, gets bodied off, uh, knocked off his center, goes all the way down, hits his head in the ground, knocked out of the game. Wow. Two best big men on the team eliminated early in the second half in a game that's already going in a grinding physical way that they don't want it to. This is trying to sound very much like Space Jam, where the team plays dirty, starts knocking people out. Here's the difference. Sure. You know what? Space Jam had a shot clock. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Right? Okay. But the, uh, the Americans go into full court press and the Soviets fall to pieces. They cough up like a 10-point lead, uh, and with a a one-point lead, uh, they try to make like a cross-court pass from the far corner while getting pressed. It's stolen by Doug Collins, who comes all the way down to the other side. Somebody takes his legs out in the layup. He crashes into the backboard so hard that his head is stuck between the floor and the padding. Like his entire head's under there. Oh, God. Wow. He got like taken out. But apparently the coach, one Hank Eba, uh, I guess he had a lot of history at uh, Oklahoma State. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He was well past his prime at this point, but was given this honor 
uh, because he was mostly done. But he says if 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 Doug Collins can walk, he's shooting those free throws. And there what does go. Doug Collins do? Misses both of the free throws, I would think, because his head was all... Incorrect, Phil. Oh. Nails them both. Doug Collins, American Patriot. Oh, man. And Doug wow. and would later go on to coach uh, in the NBA. I think it's that Doug Collins. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. the same Doug Collins, yeah. That's probably the most prominent member of this team. <laughs> Especially uh, now, yeah. Yeah, because Luke Walton said no. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, he was out. He wasn't going. Um. Uh, yeah, so now we begin the final three seconds. Part one. And the fact that there's parts of this should already tell you that something's gone wrong. Okay. Now, after Doug Collins sinks his second free throw, the Russians have to inbound the ball with three seconds remaining, and they begin dribbling it up court. What is the score at this point? Uh, it is... Uh, or who's up? Who's the, up? The, the by... Americans are up by a point. Okay. I believe that's it's the, 51 that's, to 50. That, yeah, point. that's Got what's it. important. They're America's Team USA up by yeah, a point. No, I think it's, it's 50-49. Team mm-hmm. USA up by a point. Uh, final play for the Soviets. Their coach rushes onto the court, leaving the coaching box, and the referee has to raise his hand and stop play. The coach at this point insists that the Soviets had called a timeout between the first and second free throw. And here's the thing. And Phil, before you say anything, I know what you're saying. Why wouldn't they just call timeout before uh, that thing? And the thing is, and Phil, you being an astute, knowledgeable person about the rules of international basketball, you no doubt know that in the early 1970s, you could only call a timeout during a dead ball. There were no live ball timeouts. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, before you correct me, Phil. I would believe that to be true, though, if you would have asked me. So enough with the sarcasm, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, (laughs) as, as soon as the referees hand the ball to Doug Collins to take the second free throw, it becomes a live ball. No more timeouts can be called. Period. The Soviets didn't get it in. There's like a button on their bench that I guess they tried to hit. Didn't light up with the scorer's temple. More uh, more prominently, what really happened is it was basically too late. They handed the ball to Doug Collins. The horn goes off while he's shooting the free throw. By the way, he still sinks it. That's probably really bad for wow. his concussion, too. Yeah. yeah. A loud noise like that. <laughs> sure. Which they wouldn't know how serious that was for another 15, 20 years. Right. But they should have been tipped off by his head shaped like an isosceles triangle. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. But at that point, they said, oh, he quote unquote, got his bell rung. Right. <laughs> Smelling salts and back at it. That's how it was in those days. Uh, so the Russians at that point should have been assessed a technical foul for their coach leaving during live play, whether or not he should have called the timeout before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this does not happen. And what especially happens during every, you know, everything that's happening now one Renato William Jones, the current head of FIBA, makes his way down to the court. <gasps> William Jones is British, which should already tell you that he doesn't mm. know anything about basketball. No, because the British invented baseball. I mean, that's we don't like saying that that way, but technically it's almost true. Yep. Stool Point ball. is, though. <laughs> technically <laughs> almost true. <Yeah. laughs> Put that on a box of cereal. William Jones, who is also currently in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And by the way, everyone, let's all start some sort of petition to get him removed from the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, But William Jones makes his way down to the court. And having said in the past that he felt like it was bad for international uh, basketball competition for the United States to win all of the time. William Jones then says, you know what? 
Put the full three seconds back in the clock. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. And he's on the record saying, I don't like that Team USA just wins and does nothing else. Also, Hmm. does not have the authority to do this in any way, shape, or form. The rules that he wrote (laughs) say that he has no authority over what happens on the court, like the referee and the scorer's table do. They're in agreement that no timeout was called and that this is all nonsense and that maybe they should inbounds the ball if they give him the timeout, but it's still going to be at one second. William Jones says three seconds, right? And to give you a little history of FIBA here, the uh, Federation Internationale Basketball Amateuria or something to that effect. Sounds that sounds right. right. Yeah. yeah, the accent was perfect it's too. In Sp- it's, it's FIBA. Yeah. That's why that's why the acronym doesn't make sense in English is because it's it's in Spanish and the order's different. Right. Yeah. Kind of like PRI. Anyway, neither here nor there. Public uh, Radio Internacional? No, that's that's a different PRI. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, we're getting off track here, folks. Point is, uh William Jones <laughs> founds FIBA in 1932 along with eight Different international amateur, like eight different national amateur uh, basketball associations to form FIBA uh, because now basketball was breaking away from handball and not like the cool handball that's like racquetball without rackets, mm-hmm. the stupid handball that's like soccer with hands. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so now they're like, oh, I guess basketball's not a subsport of handball. That's how screwed up things were in the 30s. Uh, but so, Jordan, crazy time. The initial eight nations that were a part of FIBA, right. this first international basketball association, what eight nations do you think they are? I mean, if I had to guess, well, the England's probably one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess the Soviet Union mm-hmm. at that time. I would guess Canada. Okay. I would guess... Uh, because the person who invented basketball is from Canada. Yeah, I would guess Canada. It's got to be Germany, right? Would, because they're in Munich. I would... Uh, Mute. No, no, that's this that's is much 19, later, Phil. This is oh, in 1932. 1932 okay. Munich, no. different stuff happening. Different stuff yeah. happening there. This is, this yeah, is, okay. this is backstory. I would say USA. I would say... Why would you say USA, Jordan? Well, because it was uh, invented in America and became a uniquely American, especially in the 1930s. It was, and because the Americans are better at it. And, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, all that. All right. yeah. And Hoosiers. I'm going sure. to have you stop guessing because you're all wrong thus far, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> the eight countries that founded international basketball were Argentina. Czechoslovakia, Greece, Italy, Latvia, Portugal, Romania, and of course, Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, of course. Yes. You will note the absence of any North American nation on that list. And even only one in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Makes you wonder, what made these people think they were in a position... To say what was what for international basketball. They were like, well, we've got Latvia and Czechoslovakia. That's it, right? You we don't need to check with anybody else. Got your heavy hitters. Yeah, this yeah. is like the electoral the college. Yeah. That's what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that William Jones had experience with inserting himself into basketball in a way that he had absolutely no authority to do so and in a way that probably did not affect things well. So... They line up and they run the play again. They inbounds the pass. Uh, the Americans get right up in the guy's face. He has to inbounds it to somebody on his side of the court. They throw up a full court shot and misses. The horn blows. The Americans celebrate their gold medal win at center court for several minutes. Coach Hank Eba's wallet is stolen during this time. Whoa! Why didn't the movie focus on that? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? 
There should be a movie about the pickpocket. Munich, too. I just want yeah. to see the Criterion Collection of Munich, all the <laughs> uncovered stories. Right. It's a full half hour of someone walking around me like, uh, you see my wall? Yeah. yeah. Like, why why are we wall? being introduced to this German pickpocket? I had my passport. Sure was... my, my passport was in the wallet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need that to get back. So a picture of my uh, wife in there that I liked. It's my only copy of it. So it's at this point that they're all pulled off the floor. Guess what? Didn't count. Because they had not reset the clock to three seconds. The scores table was not done doing it. Possibly in part because they didn't really know how to reset the clock. Because some guy's not supposed to come out of the audience and be like, you know what? Screw the ref. We're going to play three seconds, right? They run the play again. They reset the clock to three seconds. This time when the American defender approaches the line to guard the inbounds pass, the Romanian referee makes a motion with his hand. Apparently he was indicating you're not supposed to cross the baseline while you're defending. Uh, But he's Hungarian. He speaks French and Hungarian, not Mm -hmm. English. No communications. This guy thinks, oh, he's going to assess me with a technical foul unless I back off. So he backs off. And then, you know, it's Leitner. Uh, He throws a full court uh, pass. It's received at the other end. Uh, The two American defenders who are on the Soviet center both go up for the ball. Both just miss it at the peak. Both fall when they get to the ground. The guy hits an open open layup. And the Soviets are like, woohoo, we won. Except the Americans are like, no, you didn't. We won twice at this right. point. And you two scored, out of three. You scored a basket in a very rare post-game shoot-around. <laughs> huh. That shouldn't impact the outcome of the game. And where the fuck is our coach's wallet? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was one of you. And another thing. Yeah. This Cold War is going to go on forever. <laughs> uh, all right. So America... Obviously, the uh, uh, American Olympic Committee appeals the game, you know? And here's the thing. Phil, appealing the outcome of a game, mm. not common. And, yeah. and even when it does, almost never successful. Yeah. yeah. But they had good reason to think that they would pull this off. Uh, reason number one, there was an actual full legal basketball game played to completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no saying, oh, this would have happened if... There's no if. That is an appealing there was argument. A win. You all saw it. It's on tape. Game over. You say the game's over when the game is actually over and we win. Ha! Ah, ah, that's with a stroke of a pen. Sure. Uh, thing two. Lead Back then it. they didn't have computers yet, so they were using pens. Yeah, they're still using yeah, pens. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, but, but thing two. Lead referee, Renato Rigetto, refused to sign the scorecard at the end of the game. Agreed with the American appeal. He's like, this is yeah, yeah this, this is, is again, not fair. Bullshit. Lead referee, the guy on the floor, who I think we all understand. It's like in every sport in America, it's like, no, there's one guy who's on the field and he's the last say. Yeah, he period. can overrule the other referees, right? right. Sort of thing. That guy at the end of the game said, I'm not signing that. <laughs> That's not the final score of the game that I officiated. Yikes. Americans lose the appeal with the five-judge panel going three to two against. Oh. Why don't we talk a little bit about the countries that voted against the United States in 1972? Oh, no. Argentina, Switzerland. Let's see if we can spot a pattern. Hungary. Oh, they're all Soviet black countries. Uh Oh, I knew it. And Cuba. Oh. Oh, no. And here's the thing. Yeah. 
Cuba's going to vote against this, and I can hardly blame them. Right. Yeah, we yeah, fucked the with them crisis. pretty directly. They got yeah. beef. Yeah. yeah, they got beef. I can understand how they would be like, yes, this is unfair, but fuck the Yankees, right? Yeah. And I'd be like, I can understand that. Also, they got beef, but I'm they from. also put pork on it. So <laughs> yeah. it's really... So good. So good. They're... A, a, a whole culture of geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly is all we could say about it. Good food. Who voted for us? Uh, now, yeah, so we shouldn't throw too many stones here because we did have Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay. In some ways, Puerto Rico, Cuba, kind of balancing each other out. Okay, so they vote, but they vote pro-USA. Gotta figure we're going to get Puerto Rico even if we don't deserve it, right? Sure. Uh, we also had Italy. Who right. I think maybe the only one who could have been considered truly uh uh you know objective in that yeah. one uh yeah but so to this day the silver medals from the 1972 olympic basketball competition remain in a vault in switzerland really oh we never picked him up and Americans, that's where oceans 14 begins their tale yes, americans did not attend the medal ceremony <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, refused to acknowledge their defeat in that game. Their coach was trying to pick up some Deutschmarks for bus fare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Years later, one member of this team would actually ensure that it was written into his will that none of his descendants would be allowed to collect the silver medal on his behalf. Wow. Because if, if Grandpa won a silver medal and was stubbornly refusing it, and you're just a kid, you're just like, hey, when he dies, though. Yeah, we're going yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably thinking, silver medal. It would Who look cares? really cool on the mantle. Yeah. At my place, or your place, really. Right. Apparently. Sell it on eBay, hollow eBay, or whatever they have. One other guy cracked, but released a very public statement that said, my wife made me do it. Oh, basically, oh, like, oh, your wife oh, under the bus. Cool. Come on. Yeah, that's weak sauce. Oh. Sorry, uh, we didn't want to leave early, but Kelly no, but felt it, it, like he, she he, wanted to go. He basically said, though, that it was like, she keeps giving me pressure and saying things like, it'd be really cool if you could show our kids your silver medal. Oh, Don't you think it's geez. worth giving up in this by now? And he's like, while well, my spite remains at an all-time high, he's like... She's my wife. What's really sad about family. is the kids probably looked at it for like four minutes and went, oh, cool. Okay, let's go play Mega Man. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I also, I'm a little upset, though, because I'm like, personally, I think the story about how daddy never accepted right. his silver medal is so much better. Right. It's like when people are like, oh, I wouldn't throw a ball back when I catch one, you know, in a game when the other team homers. And I'm like, I'd rather throw back a home run and have the experience of having done that than have a ball to sit in my mantle. Because what do like, you do with the ball sitting on a mantle? Well, you like, look at it. You look at it and it you brings you great, great joy and yeah. satisfaction. If a tiger oh, hit man. it, I would keep it and cherish it. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm not going to cherish some other team's home run ball. Fuck that. Just brings up questions I don't want to answer. Where'd you get the ball? Who hit the <laughs> ball? Where were you sitting when you got the ball? What park did you get the ball? I just feel bad for the coach's wife, who's probably railing him on him for losing his fucking wallet. <laughs> right, exactly. Honey, so, honey, how we are already your got Olympics? jobbed out of the gold medal. Are you really, at this point in time, going to keep at me about my wallet? <laughs> Can you wire me money? Because I need to get a... <laughs> you what? Oh, <laughs> you pickpocketed off the court. I told you when you're traveling abroad to have one of those little pouches that goes under your shirt. It's called a money belt. Some of the coaches wear them and we make fun of them for it. 
It wasn't enough for you to lose for the first time in the history of American international basketball. You had to get your pocket picked like some kind of room. I brought you home from some spicy mustard. (laughs) And that's been another sports throughout history. Bum, 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 bum. Brought to you by... The History Channel. That's the history of Munich that you didn't want to know. That's our show. Email us at two and a half sportsmen at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at SportsmanPod. Or check out all of our episodes on any of those major podcast platforms.